It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Hello, Gareth Hall with you. Welcome to the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with the captain, Guy Molcaster. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. Guy, hello to you, mate. Um, I know you've been at the sale there, John Singleton's sale with Strawberry Hill and the Hunter yesterday. But the big news breaking is that the champion, Damien Oliver, this morning has announced that he'll be retiring in December at the end of the Perth Carnival. And uh, he goes out, I think anyway, I don't know about you, as our greatest jockey with his record. Oh, hasn't he been amazing, Gareth? Yeah. I, th- I thought he could have done a world tour like Frankie. Yeah, that's what, but I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing, Captain, because I think that, and I was hearing that maybe Ollie was just going to announce his retirement and then retire the next day. But I think it's fitting that, he announces it because of his success and what he's been able to do for the sport. And it gives all racing fans and sporting fans a chance to say goodbye to, to Damien Oliver. And, and I think it is fitting that he ends his career where it all started in, in WA. Yeah, well, he'll get through the spring carnival. He'll have a hell of a lot of good rides and then get to Perth. And I'm sure he'll be the pin-up boy there on his uh, last hurrah. Now, I was just having a chat to our breakfast team at SEN Timmy Watson and Gary Lyon, and they said, is there any chance that we can get Damien Oliver on, on a superstar horse um, for the spring so we can hopefully win a group one as he bows out? And I was thinking he probably hasn't got a standout horse at the moment, Ollie, heading into the spring. But I said, I know a couple of big owners and I'm about to do a podcast with one. And um, surely you can put the great man on one of your many horses that you've got, Guy. Yeah, well, he, he rode preferment for us in the derby a few years yep. ago, and hopefully we've got a runner in the derby that could suit him this year. Yep, and um, it's coming around pretty quickly. On Saturday, it doesn't get any better. we got the, the Group 1 meeting at Caulfield where we've, we've – it could be one of the races of the, the spring. Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood taking on um, I Wish I Win, and then you've got the Superstar Nature's Trip back at the races there in the Concord over the 1,000 metres, Captain. Yeah, and the weather's pretty good in Sydney, so we're looking for a good track on Saturday, and it should be a great meeting at Randwick. What do you reckon the old boy will do, Nature's Trip? I thought his last trial was pretty good. Um, I think uh, everything's pointing to a pretty good run coming Saturday. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, and then I think there'll be a decision made whether he gets a slot in the Everest. I think the Australian Turf Club, um, have they still got a slot or they sell their slot? I think they've still got a slot. But it'd be great for them to team up with Nature's Trip and maybe give someone an opportunity to own 10 or 15% of him on race day. As he, as he... Uh, well, he's got a great bunch of owners. I'm sure they'd be well welcomed. Um, how'd you go yesterday? We're about to have a chat to Barry Bowditch, the Strawberry Hill stud dispersal. Um, $15.4 million was spent there yesterday. So Singo was hopefully shouting um, his own bar at his own property. Well, oh, they put on a magnificent setup yesterday. It was an idyllic setting and uh, the horses looked really good. They're only on the video screen, but we'd had the privilege to see them the week before and, uh, 
and I think they sold pretty well considering. How did you go, Captain? Any luck? Uh, we we stumped up for lot number one. I thought uh, she'd be worth two hundred and twenty to two hundred and forty thousand in the sale ring come January, and we bid one seventy, and she made one eighty. So we missed out there, but I'm say uh, the people of Border will probably bring her back and sell her again at the Magic Millions in January, and if we still like her, then we'll probably have to pay a bit more. So why wouldn't you go to one eighty then, Captain? Because I'm uh, disciplined, Garrett. <laughs> Let's catch up now with the boss. And the managing director of Magic Millions, Barry Bowditch, and he did a wonderful job there at Strawberry Hill yesterday. And uh, as I mentioned before, a total of 55 lots went under the hammer um, for a gross of $15.49 million and an average of 281764 Hello to you, Baz. Um, did you get a bonus? Was Singer happy with your efforts yesterday? Oh, I don't know about a bonus, but we're bloody... Yeah, we're really happy that yesterday yeah. has went off without a hitch. You know, I think uh, having an on-farm sale, it's been a long time since the last, and things have changed a lot since the last sale we had online. Given oh, on-farm, sorry, given the fact there's you know, there's now a repository, there's now online bidding, live streaming, photos, videos. So you know, it all worked very, very well under the circumstances, and uh, and uh, you know, we're just pleased that well, I thought we had good participation both online and there on the grounds. What was it like? It would have been a challenge, I would imagine, to to do a sale like that at a farm with so many different avenues that you could actually bid on with technology these days. Um, it, was it was it a test for for Magic Millions to to make sure that it, it ran smoothly? Yeah, initially, you know, to get all your systems right, I guess you know we had to put a bit of time, effort, and thought into it. But uh, you know, I think it's like any sale once you, once you're up and going, you know, you, you, the fundamentals of it are all the same. So. You know, it was it was a pretty, as Guy said, it was idyllic, but it was a very cool setting. The team did an amazing job, and um, it's it's some farm, it's some property to walk into, walk walk onto Strawberry Hill. It's it's a beautiful farm, and given its location so close to Sydney, it uh, it bode well for people to be able to come up and participate in the sale. No surprise there, Captain, that Yulong were the um, farm that purchased the the highest price galloper there at the at the sales uh, yesterday with. Uh, the Frankel Philly Miss Fabulous um, going for one point eight five million dollars. I think uh, I think it was pretty well known that they were going to be pretty strong, and uh, they got basically what they wanted. But they were pushed pushed along pretty much by a number of other people, and I think being uh, being able to go to that farm and seeing where they've been raised, it was pretty amazing, and everybody seemed to really enjoy themselves. And a credit to the Magic Millions for putting on such a good show. So, dear Demi went for seven hundred thousand. Career to Queen six hundred. More joys, the champ. Um, at sixteen years of age, I think she is. She went for four hundred fifty thousand. And there was a so you think um, cult going for three hundred thousand dollars. So, were those prices in what you expected them to be? With some of those horses going for that type of money, Barry? Yeah, I thought the mares sold very well. I thought the mares were very much in line with our expectations. The weanlings might have been slightly off, but you know, given the fact I don't, I don't know how they vetted and 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 those sort of things. I think you know, you know, given in the time of year we're selling you know, yearlings, I think the the fact that you know a lot of the trainers are, are probably not in buy mode just yet from an end user perspective, and and it's it's late in the season for the pin hookers. I think um, all in all, we had a lot of vetting on them. We had great interest in them, and and they sold reasonably well as well. But. Uh, 
you know, in line, you know, Stinger was pleased with the results. The expectations were met. And, uh, you know, to sell $15 worth of horses over two hours is, is no small feat in any market. I think one of my favorite, I've just been reading a few of the reports there from the sale. And in the thoroughbred, Singo's quoted, um, or Jerry Harvey's quoted in saying um, this about Singo. And I quote, he is mad for selling up and is adamant that he will be back. The only thing that can stop Singo is death. He doesn't need the money, so why is he doing it? Unpredictable, totally unpredictable, Harvey said. He said he doesn't keep anything, and I've said that to him. He doesn't keep wives. He doesn't keep houses. Now he's not keeping his horses. He's going to have nothing left, so he'll have to start all over again. New women, new house, new horse. Um, Barry, do you think Singer will be back? (laughs) I think he'll be a big racehorse owner for years to come. I think he's got a love for the game. He He might not breed to the level he has, you know, in, the, in recent years or in decades now, actually. But I think you'll see the blue and white colours racing, you know, week in, week out. And he's still had a good passion for the game. And I suspect that, you know, when fingers crossed, come January, there's a few trainers putting their hand up for Singer at the sale and buy a few fillies for him to race. He's been one of the great characters, Captain, hasn't he, Singer, over the years? Been great for the game. Oh, you don't see too many people shout the bar after a golden slipper. No, no. And that'll be legendary, even like I was a young fellow when that happened. But... We still talk about that moment today. He has delivered so many um, magical moments in the sport of racing, and he's still got plenty more to come. Barry, before we let you go, the Magic Million sale in January, I would imagine the yearling inspections have been done and dusted, and we're nearly set to put the catalogue out soon, and away we go for another another season. Oh, we're going to make Guy a very happy man in January. He's going to have so many to choose yeah. from. It's a... Uh... It's a. It's been an awesome selection getting around all the farms. We're almost done with our initial inspections, and now it's just, uh, you know, persuading all these vendors to to sell their horses early, come to January, and 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 get paid very very well. Obviously, there's a lot going on in January up there, and we we're we're thinking that we're going to have a good strong catalogue to to send to market. Geez, I love a camera to follow you around, Barry. I keep on saying this, but this is what we like: the, get Jerry to put um, put up some money for a, a doco, like. You're going around to the different vendors, stating your claim, watching guys sweat it out, and, um, um, inspecting horses. Um, I think it would be something else. I reckon you'd be one yeah. of the great salesmen as well to, to persuade the vendors and the owners to, to to sell their horses at your sale. Yeah, it's a competitive game. I think yeah. you know, the duopoly between us and uh, us and English is uh, it's strong, but to be able to you know get out there, see all these great horses and. To have a market that we do, I think January last you know, last decade, it's got stronger and stronger and stronger. The, the graduates out of the sale are extraordinary, and um, you know a lot of the a big percentage of the good horses are from that sale. So it gives vendors reasons to think, well, they're backing a winner by supporting the sale. And I think now, if a horse is ready for a January sale, um, they've got they've got a good reason to send it there. And uh, and you know we're we're, we're pretty excited by January and we're pretty excited by the catalogue of horses that we're pulling together. We've probably got too many to choose from. We don't have enough stables right now. So it's just all in all pulling it all together over the next three to four weeks. We're looking forward to getting up to the Gold Coast, Barry, in January. I, I think Guy's going to let us do one of his shows from his penthouse as well. <laughs> just before the, the, the this, before we head to the sales. But um, hopefully you might be able to join us for, for that. If you can fit oh, I'd in. love to see guys pan yeah. out. It's an extraordinary place. So just, uh, if, we, if you can get up me access to that, I'll be delighted. Yeah, it's called Winks Lodge as well as you, as you head up there. <laughs> the, the man that purchased Winks. Um, no, it's going to be a lot of fun, Baz. And we've got a young producer who's 
Jackson France, he just got into the breeding game. He's just delivered a, a filly. Or he, he's, he's got a filly by blue point. And um, um, I think he'll be trying to persuade you to let him in your sale as well. That, that would be a dream come true for him. 100%. If Jackson's watching those results in Europe at the yeah. moment on Blue Point, yeah. he'll make any sale he wants to. We'll be begging him to get, yeah. get take the horse. <laughs> Barry, well done yesterday. It's been, it was a, obviously you only had a few months to prepare for a sale like this, was, which was unique. And um, talking to a lot of the people that were there yesterday um, was sensationally done. So well done and good luck with um, the next couple of months. And we'll talk to you before that, but we appreciate your time as always on our, our show, Breeding Bloodstock and Bander with the, the one and the only, the captain. Good on you, Barry. Good on you, Gareth. Thanks, Guy. Cheers, boys. There's Barry Bowdick. He, he does a great job, doesn't he, Guy? We're so lucky to have oh, terrific people in the games that um, lead these these sales companies, but Barry on the Gold Coast is exceptional. I think, uh, I think you know, with, with if you're a vendor, you want to you be selling your horse at, uh, at Magic Millions for an early type and... Uh, They'll be inundated with entries this year, and I'm sure it's going to be an amazing catalogue come January. Let's take a break. Gareth Hall, the captain with you, breeding bloodstock and banter. On uh, this Wednesday as we record this podcast, we'll be back with plenty more. You're listening to Breeding Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Welcome back to the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the captain. Guy Moldcaster, Gareth Hall with you. The Stallion Parades, they've been in full flight um, basically over the last couple of weeks, Captain. Um, just looking at you on our Zoom screen at the moment, uh, it seems that you've been enjoying them. <laughs> uh, it's been pretty good, uh, Gareth. We got up there on Friday and uh, went out to Yarraman. They put on a good show Friday evening, saw I'm Invincible and Hellbent and their new Stallion Brave Smash. And I think they've, uh, they've had a very good... Uh, interest from the breeders and I'm, I'm sure all of those horses are going to be very well supported on saturday we uh we did the newgate parade and they had 14 of their stallions here on show and uh they looked amazing uh bruce slade compared the show and uh and kept everybody very well entertained and then on sunday we went to Cornwall and saw their new horses yes. they had best of bordeaux he's their leading light for the new season plus the uh other horses, Home Affairs was in his second year, and the proven horses, Justify and uh, Piero, So You Think. So they've got a great lineup too. And then on Monday, we went out to Widden and uh, saw their horses and Zoo Star and Zoo Sane and their new horse, Jack and O. So I think uh, the, the business is in a pretty good place with the new stallions coming through and, and the support for the ongoing stallions. Was there a stallion that really stood out to you when you are inspecting them? Over the last uh, few days, there, guy. I don't. I don't think it would have been. Uh, it wouldn't have been a thirty to one shot to find. But I thought uh, Wharton Bassett looked amazing. Yes. His stats in Europe have been absolutely through the roof this year. I think he's going to be uh, very well sought after. He's got his first yearlings this year, and uh, and then also I, I like the horse that uh, Newgate put in the Congo. He looks a, a very okay. very fast horse. Uh, he was a past horse on the track. His shape, his athleticism, I think he's going to uh, produce very good yearlings. What makes I'm Invincible? When you watch him pray, do you think, well, that's why you're so great? Is there something about him? Or um, is it just one of those freakish, um, 
freakish things that life produces with the results that he's producing. Well, you know, you get a horse that starts off at five grand and yeah. he ends up at twenty five x. It's pretty, pretty amazing. But you know, when you see the horse himself, he's he's just so laid back. He just takes it all in his stride. He he basically loves the camera. He loves the people, and and I think attitude's such a big thing for horses, and that's why that's. That's why he's done so well on Invincible because he is just really a dude. So if you had to go to a party and it was hosted by Newgate, Arrowfield, Whitten, Vinery, Daly, Yarraman and Coolmore, which one would you go to, Guy? Uh, I think I'd probably just chime into all of them, Gareth. Yes, like the old-fashioned pub crawl. Yeah, well, we I actually didn't didn't mention that on Monday afternoon I went out and saw Animo and Shit, he looks good too, you know. Like he's only just come off the track, but yeah. athletic and and a really good loose walk. And I think uh, I think uh, the public are going to love him. The fact that he won those nine Group Ones, and you know that's that's what the Aussies like is knowing about a horse. Now I've got a couple of tough questions for you. Towards you've just reminded me about Adamo. You're in the media these days, and I tell you what, Captain. I was at a spring racing launch last night, and. Um, I was at the pub the other day as well, and you're building up some fan base, the captain. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you're part of the media these days. I'm going to ask you a couple of tough questions with some voting for the Australian Horse of the Year, a few of the categories. And they are um, they're, they're pretty interesting, like the three-year-old filly of the year and maybe the horse of the year. I'll, I'll give you a couple of options, and I'll be fascinated to see which way you lean. Hey, do you remember me tipping you a horse last week? Mm. Remind me in the Judmont International. Yes, I said Paddington will get beat. Yes, yes, and Frankie de Tory. He, he obviously did the job. you knew how Frankie was going to ride him, and that's how you have to ride him. Sometimes you're going to be tactically brilliant, and Mossadath was the horse that he was riding there, and uh, he made sure that it was a staying trip, and he took Paddington outside of his comfort zone, and um, it proved to be um, a winning a winning move from Frankie and it was a tactically brilliant ride, Captain. And watching the race, Gareth, I, I actually thought in my own mind, imagine if this happened in Australia and you had a horse that needs to be tucked in and you just let him bounce out of the gates and roll and build yeah. and build. And even at the three furlong mark, you sort of got the impression that it was it was game, set, and match, didn't you? And you see it a little bit in any code, like you see it a bit in the standard breeds as well, that you can take the good horses outside their comfort zone because if you can run those times and open up their lungs a little early, it's difficult for them to have that turn of foot. And I think the best example that I can recall for for this in Australian racing, remember like during the spring when Very Elegant won the Melbourne Cup guy and they were running those yes. farcical staying races and like I could have run faster than, than them in the early stages of um, certain events. And Very Elegant, she probably wasn't at her best, but she just couldn't get into the races because they were run at a, a slow tempo. And then all of a sudden in the Melbourne Cup, they went lickety split and um, incentivize, put the foot down and, it was just set up for her and away she went. Um, um, I don't, I, I wish we could see more truly run races, especially in this country. Yeah. And going back to the Paddington, um, what's the daft race. They have so many options in Europe for those good horses. Yeah. And, you know, like Paddington, 
was running off a reasonably quick backup for a European horse from Goodwood. And they knew that, you know, he maybe just, you know, maybe just wasn't 110% because he'd had, a, had some pretty hard racing in the two months previous. And, and that was all credit to Frankie. He just, he just got out and rolled. And I think, you know, with our staying races in Australia, it, it is a bit of a shame when they just do jog, trot and uh, sprint up a last three, you know. Yeah, 100%. Now, Paddington, no surprises there. He's been confirmed that he won't be going to the Cox Plate. And it just makes you think with Moss and Daff doing what he did there to Paddington the other day, um, Equinox, the superstar galloper from Japan, defeated him by about eight lengths there at Dubai. And he was never left off the bridle, Captain. (laughs) No, um, I don't think we really need Equinox coming to our Cox Plate. No, we, that's impossible. Like, he would never come, <laughs> but just how good that horse is. He would nearly lap him in a Cox Plate, wouldn't he, if he turned up? Yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting to know because he's probably, he would never have been on a racetrack like Mooney Valley, the yeah. unique Mooney Valley that we know, you know. He's on he's on big galloping tracks. They go a, a million miles an hour for him, and it just sets up for him to smash them at the end, you know, but... Uh, at the Cox Plate, you have to be in the right spot. You have to have your, you have to have your tempo going when you when you need it, you know. And it and it, it comes down to a hell of a lot to the jockey to get in the right spot because you've seen many times that they've got hemmed up on the fence or or got behind a slow one, and the, and the results ended up different to what you think it should be. Results from Saturday, Newgate's Russian Revolution continues to deliver some terrific results. He's a great value stallion, um, and he can get them to run early. And Libertad's one of those. Tad Schofield gave that horse a peach there in the San Domenico on the on the weekend. Um, but this horse is a winner, Guy. It was. A, he is. Yeah. He is Gareth. But you have to go back and look at the eleven hundred meter races at Rose Hill. They're always won by horses in a similar spot. Yeah. And I think the first three round the turn were either behind the leader outside, uh, one one out, one back, or and uh, and on the fence and two back. You know. And some of the horses that ended up doing a little bit of work around the turn actually ran pretty good sectionals as well. So we're not giving up on our horse, Condensey Abstract? Not at all, Garrett. Yep. All right, then. It'll just mean he's a better price next time. I love it. Um, I'll tell you what, this horse, Tommy Kitten, we can see that from time to time. He's the son of Harry Angel. He showed promise. Like he, When you watched him as a two-year-old, you thought, well, he's going to be, he's going to be a good staying three-year-old prospect. But... I reckon he's surprised even um, James a little bit how he's come back because it was a big effort to win under those circumstances, giving weight to some nice horses over that trip, Tommy Kitten. So he's got, I told everybody last week on Giddy Up, the spring champion stakes written all over him, Captain. You would think so. You would think that that would be the race for him. He, you know, like he ran some pretty good races as a two-year-old, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long way to go to the spring champion. There's a... Uh, there's other horses just bubbling along there as well, so we'll see what happens. And Justify continues to produce winners, and Setify was a good winner at the Valley in that first race there. That was the horse that won during a Warnable Carnival, and then Maren Eustace put him out, and then he returned at the Valley and, and won nicely. And um, do you know what? I've got to Justify for you that you need to keep a really close, close eye on, Captain, that you might need to have, and- have, have a bet this weekend, I reckon. And what's that one, Gareth? It's um, a horse that is named after what you have, or you will leave on this game, a, a legacy. Legacy. She's a <laughs> she's a daughter of Justify, 
she ran time there at Sandown when she won at a second race start. And I know that they probably didn't come come home awfully that, that quick that day, but she, the way that she did it from an eye point of view. But I like a horse when they can open up their lungs and still be dominant at the end of the race, Guy. I reckon she's totally, something totally, about yes. her. Um, and she, she meets a horse like a, a barber and little bros on Saturday in the McNeil Stakes, but she might be a horse that I don't know what her, her distance range is, but I think she'll be horse hard to beat something like a flight stakes guy. What do you think the justifiers will get over? Could, could, if she's as brilliant as I think she is, could maybe moods get her out to a trip like a Cox plate? Do you think the justifiers can get out in trip? Yeah, I do, but I don't really, I wouldn't think a three-year-old filly would be terribly well suited in the race like the Cox plate because, yeah. To get there, they probably had to have a couple of grand finals if they won a won a flight stakes or they won a a, a race a three year old fillies race in Melbourne. That's probably nearly been their grand final. So, I think uh, I think for it's a the Cox Plate's a, a race for warriors, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's just like a, I think the thousand guineas being pushed to the back end of the year doesn't allow some of those. They'll have to go on a call for your guineas in a way that like you don't necessarily. Like, so you think finished fifth in a Caulfield Giddies was able to get into the Cox Plate. Sometimes they like to have that X-Factor three-year-old in a in a Cox Plate. So um, that would be interesting to see which path she goes down. Rebel Dane, statistics don't lie. Upgrade your mare. Sire of the, the champion two-year-old Philly Fireburn. Winner of the Group 1 Golden Slipper and Sire's Produce. All you need to do is give the team at Widden a call. Anthony Thompson mentioned the captain. You get a discount to that superstar galloper, Rebel Dane. And... Um, I reckon in a couple of years' time, we'll continue to talk about this horse, Captain, because he didn't have much of an opportunity when he first headed to stud, but he was able to kick a few goals with the horse like Fireburn. And now, since he's been taken over by Anthony and his team that at Whitten, he he's getting more opportunities now. He's going to get a much more substantial book, and I'm sure yeah. in the next few years, you're going to see more of them on the track. But the job he's done, uh, runners to stakes horses and... And Golden Slipper winners like Fireburn, it's pretty amazing. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Fireburner back again this weekend. We'll take a break. We've got the captain's pick and we've got a few winners coming your way as well. And questions for the captain here on this week's edition of Breeding Bloodstock and Banter Gareth. All with you with the one and the only, the captain, Guy Mulcaster. You're listening to Breeding Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Great to be with you. You're with Gareth Hall with uh, the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the Captain Guy Mulcaster. Guy, he's back. He's ready to go. Jackson France. I'll tell you what, I was looking at the emails the other day, Jacko. They are flowing in. Morning, Captain. Morning, Gareth. How are you going? I'm well. Oh, good, Jackson. How are you? <laughs> good, thanks, Guy. Um, so the first one that's come through is from Jake. Um, is it wise to go to a stallion like Cepedo? whose fee has risen significantly this season off the back of Bonas Notches and what you need success, or are you better off sending your mare to a more proven stallion that has bigger foal crops coming through? Um, I think Cepedo's got a good chance because of those two horses you just mentioned. Uh, Bonas Notches looks like he could be an Everest horse. If he happened to be an Everest horse and you got your mare and foal to that stallion, previous to that, you're going to be uh, laughing all the way to the bank. But uh, there's there's a case for both 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 cases really, um, 
a proven horse has already got those numbers on the ground. He's got the ability to have more horses coming through year in, year out. And I think it's just a personal opinion thing, really. With another one that's come through from Mitch, what are your thoughts on buying the progeny of older mares at yearling sales? Does this impact your decision-making at all, or are you just purely looking for the athlete? Um, it doesn't worry me if the mare's had a few foals. I'd like to see, if she's had a good number of foals, you'd like to see that she's had one good horse, and you can go through and see what stallions she's been to, and sometimes she's been to stallions that we wouldn't class as being uh, top class, and that means that some of those foals are basically don't really count so i think it's a bit of a balancing act but you know you can buy a foal out of an older mare and probably get it a little bit more value so i think uh, you basically look look at your horse and uh, look at the type and sort of see how it sits, sits in your budget i got one from craig here he said that trainers like patty Payne have done well selling young horses to hong kong if you're wanting to buy yearlings to prepare for the Hong Kong market, what breed and type of horse should you be looking for? I think you really need to go for horses that have already done the job in Hong Kong. The Hong Kong market seems to go back to what they know and they've had good results with uh, horses like Deep Field and that sort of thing up in Hong Kong. Mostly tough horses, horses that handle the environment, handle the training regime in Hong Kong sort of all too hard, uh, deep fields, those sort of horses. So over a number of years, I've had horses that have been tough and durable, mm-hmm. and that's what you need in the Asian jurisdictions. Perencanto's come to mind. They've had so much yes. success in Hong Kong. Yep. So we tried to do that. I did a lot of research on that we were, when we we're trying to buy a pin hooking ready for run type of horse. But um, I think that I think the market's worked out. The, the Perencanto's and the all too hard's, they're harder to buy because of that Hong Kong market because they love them so much anyway. Just a quick one exactly. here, Captain, to follow up to that. If there was a stallion that you were wanting to pick out in the uh, the next block of yearling sales to pin hook and potentially make a profit on, who would it be? Uh, well, basically, I'm, I'm looking for a type rather than a breed. And uh, like yesterday, there was a horse at Jet Singleton sale by All Too Hard, and he made his money at 140000 where they only average about 120000 at most sales. But he was a good, strong horse. He's a really good type. And I'd say you might see him in a breeze-up sale next year, and, and they'd be looking to get pretty good money for him. This final question that's come through from Sarah, Captain, is a tough one. And she says, if you were the chairman of Racing Australia for one day, what is the first issue that would be on your agenda? A good question, Sarah. In fact, Sarah's going to win our Signet Boost Power Bank for the best question today. Um, and I'll get, I'll send you one because you're always on your phone, guy, at the sales, and you need your phone to be charged. So, um, well done. Yeah, I think, uh, I think if I was in charge of the uh, racing for one day, I'd be looking to have a race day where you've got to uh, get a lot of 20 to 20, 30 year olds there many as you can and sort of make it fun make it fast make it quick have uh have 20 minute between races get the jockeys to weigh out two races in advance have different jockeys riding in in the odds and evens races so you can run them quick and uh keep them there for a couple of hours and do what they do in Newmarket and, and all over england and have have uh, a band there afterwards and give them a good experience in Europe, they uh, they buy the ticket for the for the uh, concert, and they get the race day thrown in. And I tell you what, Captain, you would be there before the first race, and you'd be there 
um, for the last song. I might even give the DJ a little bit yeah. of a hand up there on, on the tables there, uh, Gareth. I, I've got a question for you, Captain, um, and this is a question from myself. I was going to make it up, but this is from myself. Would you give Nature Strip a slot in the Everest? I'd be a smart person like everybody else and sit there and wait till Saturday and see how he runs because once you've, once you've uh, disclosed your spot, it's very yeah. hard to get a backup horse. Hey, I've got some great news for you, Captain. On, on behalf of myself and all of our listeners on Giddy Up especially, um, we've got the great man Chris Waller coming on on Friday. So we appreciate well, all of the work that well, you've done behind the good, scenes. Good on you. Yep, that is good my Good on you, day. and you better give Sophie a good plug, and, uh, and I'm sure it'll work out, and it won't be the last time you've got him on. Yeah, and um, we'll have to get him on this show as well, the, the breeding bloodstock and banter with the captain, Guy Molcaster. Is that all? Um, how, how can we, if you want to get a question to the captain once again, like Craig, Sarah, who else? Um, Jake and Mitch did today. How do you go about it? Yeah, you can just send me an email on jackson.france, F-R-A-N-T-Z at sen.com.au. So jackson.france, where's France from? Uh, it's a German surname. Oh, okay. So yeah, German on both sides. There you go. F-R-A-T-Z. Uh, F-R-A-N-T-Z. Oh yeah, better get that right. Thanks for that. Um, good on you, Jacko. Thanks, Gareth. Good on uh, you, boys. Captain, it's always a pleasure, mate. You enjoy this week. Have you got a winner for us? Yeah, I'm thinking that if you're going to back a winner, you want to be not betting this weekend, watching I Wish I Win, watching them running into third and backing them next start. In the Everest. Now, just, hey, you get on Legacies as well. Um, yeah. And that's my tip to you, Captain, and we'll catch up with you next week. But you enjoy. Where are you today? Who are you having a chat to just before? Uh, I'm going out to Chris Waller's. Stables to look at the horses this morning. I'm going to Warwick Farm this afternoon. We're going to the trials tomorrow. We've got the awards tomorrow night. We've got lunch on Friday and we've got races at Randwick on Saturday. I don't know how you do it, Captain. Say good day to the team for us and um, give Kovalika a pat. And um, we need to follow a camera around you when you go to Chris. It's just telling him that this horse I needs will. more work and all that kind of stuff, like you're trying to run the joint. Good on you, brother. Perfect. See ya. There's a Captain Guy Molcaster. Thank you for your company on Breeding Bloodstock and Banter, Gareth Hall and the Captain Guy Molcaster. Have a wonderful week and we'll catch up with you next week.